I'm Ashley Baxter, the founder of With Jack. And after so many years helping freelancers stay in business, I'm no stranger to the kinds of problems you face. But freelancing doesn't mean having to face these problems alone. In a lot of these situations, there is help available. I'd like to share these stories with you so that you can be a confident freelancer. A favour for a friend. We've all been there, haven't we? I have. And things did not end well. And it seems the same can be said for this freelance copywriter. So let's dive in and see where it went wrong. And of course, talk about preventive measures so that you can avoid these mistakes. I took on a client as a favour for a friend with the hope of getting more work from them later on. So to recap, don't take on clients as a favour with the hope of getting more work at a later date. Just don't. Okay, I'm, I'm, I am going to get back to the story, but the red flags are there in the first sentence. So back to the freelancer story. There was no contract and the client bartered on price. It was pitched as a small copywriting job with a fast turnaround. But this project has lasted about four months, during which time I've received daily requests for updates. Being micromanaged on a daily basis hasn't helped my motivation and I'm close to walking away. The direction has been poor and the feedback isn't helpful. I've been sucked into three-hour interviews with the client. Normally, I'd have billed per hour for this, but without a statement of work or contract, my hands were tied. They also asked me about doing some back-end work on their website and best practices for content and SEO. I was happy giving some direction, but the questions have shifted into consulting-level stuff. I've never felt like I'm getting played by a client I took on as a goodwill gesture before. I'm now actively ignoring any parts of emails that ask about work outside of the current project, and I've cut my communication down to being terse with them. All right, so projects that you do as favours have a tendency to become difficult projects. Why is that? Well, it's not a coincidence. It's because there isn't the infrastructure in place to treat it like a proper job, aka a contract and statement of work. A favour implies the boundaries haven't been set. And without those boundaries, some clients will overstep the mark. So in this case, it was pitched as a small job with a quick turnaround, but without a contract and statement of work, the scope's gradually changed and now involves lengthy interviews and consultancy work. The freelancer knows they don't want to be doing this extra work for free, but without a statement of work to refer to, it can be difficult to refuse. With a statement of work to refer your client to, it's easier to say, as you can see, this falls outside of the scope of the project. I'll charge an additional fee for that. Your statement of work should always be comprehensive in covering what is and isn't included. How many drafts will the client receive? How many revisions are included? What services are excluded? And what's the additional cost of those services if the client wants to change the scope? This helps to set boundaries um, and means you're not doing extra work for free and reduces the number of, hey, can you do just one more thing emails? 
even if you do decide to work as a favour for a friend, which I wouldn't recommend, um, not that it always turns out badly, but I often see these situations play out badly. Um, but even if you do decide to work as a favour for a friend, it shouldn't mean the client gets whatever they want. So contract, statement of work, boundaries, happy freelancer and smooth project. There are some other issues with this story. Um, firstly, the client bartering on price. Now, I don't necessarily think bartering means you're going to have a bad client, but I think that when a client's budget is lower than your rate, you then have to reduce the scope of work, okay? Those two things should go hand in hand. Reduced budget means reduced scope. The micromanaging is also an issue. Usually micromanaging clients fall into two categories. The first category is the client that's been burnt badly in the past, so they micromanage in the hope that they can prevent that from happening again. And the second category, which is much more damaging to a project, is the client who is naturally um, just a, you know, a control freak and wants to get involved in everything. I've had one of those clients before when I was a freelancer, um, and it is the quickest way to drain any enjoyment from working on a project and it can be insulting like why did you hire me to do this job if you're going to be so heavily involved to deal with the clients in the first category who've been burnt in the past so are trying to prevent it from happening again you're really going to have to step up and lead the project and instill confidence in them are they micromanaging because there is no clarity around what work's being done and the dates it's to be completed by. Again, that's something a statement of work and contract can define and help to put their mind at ease. If they fall into the latter category, where they just want to be in control, I don't know if there's much you can do other than firmly remind them why they've hired you to do the job. This is your area of expertise. You are the one with the skill in this area. This is what you bring to the project. I found the best way to deal with micromanagers is to set my own boundaries. So make it clear to the client when they'll hear from me in regards to giving updates and what work's been completed and what I'm doing next. Some of the freelancers I've worked with have used Trello boards to communicate what tasks have been completed and what they're currently working on and what they'll move on to next. But the truth is, some clients will just need their hand held a little more than other clients. Obviously, micromanagers take this to a whole other level, but setting boundaries and being communicative should make a big difference. In the end, this freelancer's antidote was to actively ignore parts of the email that ask about work outside of the current scope and cut communication down to being terse with them. This isn't an approach that I would recommend. Um, despite there being no statement of work or contract to refer to, you can still set boundaries and be professional. I think being firm with your communication is the best approach. For example, the consultancy work is beyond the scope of this project and agreed rate. I can book this in and get started next week. So I've attached my contract and a quote for the consultancy work. At this point, your client can say, yeah, that is something that I want, so let's go ahead. Or no. And if they continue to try and blur the lines of what your job is, you can take the same approach. This work is beyond the scope of this project and agreed rate. 
I can book this in and get started next week. I've attached my contract and a quote for this work. Now, as this is technically an insurance podcast, is there anything insurance can do to help in this situation? Well, there is no legal problem. There's no demand for compensation or claim for damages. However, there is some help to be had from the legal expenses product. As part of your legal expenses insurance, you have access to legal documents, including contracts. There was no contract in this project because it was a favour for a friend, but contracts help to outline the responsibilities of both parties, which can keep clients in check. If you're unsure where to start with a, a contract, there is a template available with your legal expenses insurance. And if you want to take that to the next level, you can even pay an additional fee to have a lawyer review it. If you adhere to your contract and have clients adhere to your contract, this will help your projects run smoother. And also, the Legal Advice Helpline might provide some tips in dealing with this. Um, there is no contract dispute, and I wouldn't even say there's a client dispute. I'd say this is a project management issue and is unlikely to escalate into anything else. It's just a bad experience that you might want to learn from. But if you did have a client or contract dispute, there is a helpline you can access to talk to a legal expert. So let's recap. Projects that you do as favours have a tendency to become difficult projects because there isn't the infrastructure in place to treat it like a proper job. So have a contract and statement of work to ensure boundaries are set and not overstepped. Your statement of work should always be comprehensive in covering what is and isn't included. So how many drafts will the client receive? How many revisions are included? What services are excluded? And what's the additional cost of those services if the client wants to change the scope? If a client barters on price, you then have to reduce the scope of work. Those two things go hand in hand. Reduced budget means reduced scope. With micromanaging clients, you're really going to have to step up and lead the project to instill confidence in them. Identify if they micromanage because there's no clarity around what work's being done, uh, in which case a statement of work and contract can define and help to put their mind at ease or use something like a Trello board where they can follow your progress without breathing down your neck every hour. If they're micromanaging because this is just who they are, and what they do with every project. Set your own boundaries and stick to them. Make it clear to the client when they'll hear from you in regards to receiving updates on what work's been completed and what you're doing next. Um, it is a hard one, but setting boundaries and sticking to them and being communicative should make a big difference. If the scope starts to change, highlight that it's beyond the scope of this project and agreed rate. Again, just keep saying, I can book this work in, so here's my contract and a quote for the work and do that every time they shift the goalposts off the scope. They'll soon get the hint. As part of your legal expenses insurance, you have access to legal documents such as contracts. Um, there is a template available with your legal expenses insurance and if you want to take that contract to the next level, you can pay an additional fee to have a lawyer review it. And if this situation does happen to escalate to a potential legal problem, you can use the legal advice helpline that comes with your legal expenses insurance to talk to a legal expert about client or contract disputes. 
I'm Ashley, the founder of With Jack. Thank you for listening to Unsure Insure. If you enjoyed the episode and you did learn something new, then tell a friend and leave a review.